the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. Each week, Michael uses his coaching expertise to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Michael is a professional certified leadership, business, and life coach, serving as president of Professional Coach University, executive director of New Normal Coaching, and the lead pastor at Northwest Church. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Here's Michael. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. We have an exciting topic today. The title of the show is Let's Talk About Fasting. Let's talk about fasting. So as you listen in, you might be like me, or maybe this is a way that you're not like me, maybe better off, or maybe this will encourage you. But I'm uh, hitting a season. Weather's going to break here pretty soon in the Chicago area, we're hoping. And it'll be a beautiful spring coming. And my wife and I are talking about trying to get a little more healthy. And so one of the things that we have talked about in doing that is to increase our exercise and to drop a few pounds and just to try to work toward being healthy. Well, as we've done that, several thoughts have opened up to us. Uh, Some of them are new. Some of them are ideas we've had in the past. But some of the ideas include uh, doing things like not eating after a certain time at night or different things of that nature. And this idea of intermittent fasting has come about where you would eat and then not eat after, let's say, 6 o'clock at night and not eat again until... Uh, the, the next morning, or maybe you take a day and fast in the week and you just intermittently fast. And so the, the health community, the medical community, the exercise community, along with the Christian community, all talk about this idea, this concept of ways to fast. So today I want to begin to talk through this idea about fasting and hit it from many different angles and perspectives. So here we are. Let's talk about fasting. So one of the definitions of fasting is, I would say it like this, a voluntary abstinence from food or drink. Uh, It could be also from certain or designated activities, uh, usually earmarked for a specific period of time. And most often in the Christian community, we liken fasting around spiritual purposes. So fasting is an abstinence, an abstaining from food and drink or possibly other things, activities for a spiritual purpose. Now, what I learned about fasting growing up Some of these were good things to learn, and some of them maybe weren't so great to learn. And maybe I was taught correctly, but, you know, growing up in church, we learned some of the things that we learned. And what I thought about fasting is people in the Christian world that fasted had to be very holy people. Like only the 
the best of the best Christians, the most mature, would, would fast and pray. It seemed to be on another spiritual level. So that's what I thought when I was growing up in church. Uh, another, I, I, I guess, concept that I thought is that uh, you you can fast more than just food. And this emerges. We're currently in a season of Lent, and many people have are fasting from, abstaining from certain foods or drinks or activities, and they'll give up things like uh, meat or certain off food, or they'll give up things like Facebook or television or movies, or they'll give up certain behaviors, and they give that up as a an act of denial or suffering, if you will. Lent lasts 40 days, and, and, and the idea is that there would be a suffering that aligns us with the suffering of Christ, a, a denial of ourself. So growing up, I learned that you, though, you can fast more than just food. I also thought, this is almost funny, but when, when you fasted, you were supposed to fast and pray. And I always was taught or thought as a young child that I had to pray during the time slots that I would normally eat. And so that was kind of a funny thing growing up. And, and I, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. But what, what I learned about fasting, whether it was true or not, is that you're supposed to fast when you really needed something. Maybe there's a big financial miracle you needed in the church. So the church was called to fast and pray. Or maybe there's a healing in your family. Someone's sick and you need God to intervene. So you would fast and pray. Or there's a big decision in your life. So you would fast and pray. And not that, that we don't do that. But today as we talk about fasting, I want us to know that there's so much more to that story. So I want to kick off this idea as we talk about fasting by introducing four examples of fasting that that I just pull from the Bible. We're not going to go real deep into it, but but these examples will frame our conversation as we continue to talk about fasting. So in Exodus, we read about Moses. He's the first example. So Moses fasted for 40 days and nights when he was receiving the Ten Commandments. So this is the is at the part of the story that the original commandments uh, had been destroyed, and and Moses is going to now hear from God and write out the the the, the Ten Commandments. And when this is happening, it's Exodus chapter thirty four, verse twenty eight. I'll read that to us. So he. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. This was a powerful illustration of Moses going up to receive from the Lord the word, this word from the Lord. And, and oftentimes we take this idea, this example from Moses, and, and maybe there are people out hearing me today that plan to preach every week or once in a while or on occasion. And when you preach, you kind of do what Moses did. You kind of go up the mountain and you wait for this communication from God. Or maybe maybe you're not preaching, but you're leading a Bible study or you're, you're imparting biblical truth to your children or your family. Or just, I guess, the idea that we learned from Moses is in a 40-day fast. He fasted and he prayed to prepare his heart to hear this word from the Lord. And, and, and he wanted, he's about to <laughs> document these Ten Commandments, and he was just getting sort of in tune with God. So today we're talking about fasting and just kind of set the table here. And the first fast that I've talked about 
here is Moses in the Bible. I want to talk about another th- uh, another example. It's Elijah. We can read about this in 1 Kings. Elijah fasted 40 days before he encountered God on Mount Horeb. So 1 Kings 19, 8. He rose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights on or to Horeb, the mountain of God. This was a situation that that he had, uh, Elijah had been fleeing for his life, and he actually uh, had had struck down some people, and, and his life was now in danger, and he needed to get away for some safety, and in that, he needed to hear something from God. He needed to get alone with God, and he ended up spending on the mountain of God, on Mount Horeb, 40 days and nights just to engage with the Lord, get the presence of the Lord, engage with him, and and get this sort of word from the Lord. You know, oftentimes we're like Elijah and need that, I'll use that phrase again, word from the Lord, or we need to, I'll say like this, prepare our hearts for a spiritual retreat, or maybe we are getting away to the mountain of God, even if we're being chased, but we're looking for a purpose and we have to get away for God. And we might fast for for a period of time like Elijah did in preparation for ministry. Or or maybe we we, dare I say, fast and pray as we prepare to gather with our congregations on a weekly basis. The idea what we hear learn, I guess, from Elijah is fasting was used in a way to prepare his heart. And that's one of the ways that fasting is used is in preparation of the heart. So today we're talking about fasting. And we've mentioned Moses and Elijah. Let me mention Daniel. So Daniel, we know this probably, Daniel fasted for for 21 days, seeking understanding and guidance from God. It says in Daniel chapter 10, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, all or for the full three weeks. See, Daniel needed a certain guidance from God, and he ate differently than the others that were, were around him at that time. And the reason was Daniel needed to seek a certain understanding, or I'll use the word guidance from God. So we learn these things from Moses and Elijah and Daniel. Before we go to break, I want to mention one more example. We read about it in Matthew. And it's the example of Jesus. See, yeah, Moses... Elijah, Daniel fasted, but so did Jesus. He fasted. Jesus did for 40 days in the wilderness before the beginning of his public ministry. Matthew chapter 4 opens like this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and nights, he was hungry. Jesus was preparing for his ministry, and this is when he was fasting and praying. And this is one of the things that I would recommend us reflect on is this action of Jesus, is to leverage the discipline of fasting before ministry as ministry preparation, ministry events, and ministry seasons. But what's also significant about this is Jesus was about to face temptation. And we'll talk about it a little more in the second half of the show about temptation. But this is one of the ways that we can fast is in preparation and combating temptations that come against us. You know, in these examples, there is no fasting for financial miracles or healing. 
But these are just some of the examples. Well, we're going to take a break right now and know that there's more to fasting than fasting for miracles or healing. We're going to keep talking about fasting, and I'll set this question before we take our break. The question I'll ask is this. Why do we fast? So when we come back, we're going to break down the answer. Why do we fast? We're going to look at some of the insights about fasting, kind of the broad picture of what fasting is, and we'll continue to unpack this topic as we talk about fasting. Hey, keep listening. Stay tuned. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And we're back. Thank you for staying tuned. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Fasting. And in the front end of the show, as we set the table, we mentioned fasts by Moses, Elijah, Daniel, and Jesus. And and the idea is we want to answer the question, why do we fast? We could see this exemplified in the Bible, but the question is, why do we fast? So as we get into this part of the episode, I want to just take a, I guess, a broad stroke view, a big glance at this idea of, of what fasting is and what's involved, why might we do it. And then I'll break down eight insights about fasting that begins to answer the question, why do we fast? So broad stroke. One idea about fasting is that it is one of the spiritual disciplines that is practiced by Christ followers. So fasting, if we can remember what that is, fasting is abstaining from food or drink or certain activity for a length of time uh, for spiritual purposes. And, and that discipline of fasting helps discipline our body and our mind to focus on spiritual matters. This is part of the purpose of why we fast. It's a practice of that spiritual discipline. Encompassed with fasting is concepts of humility and repentance. See, fasting demonstrates humility before God and a willingness to repent of our sins. So when we fast, we realize that we are fasting underneath the authority of our God, and it's sin that has separated us from God. So in humility, we bow before him, we repent of our sins, and this these are components and activities, practices that are involved at times of fasting. So we're talking about fasting. We know that it's a spiritual discipline. It encompasses humility and repentance. But fasting is also about seeking God's guidance. So fasting can be a way that we seek clarity from God. It's a way that we can seek direction from God. And oftentimes we have decision-making opportunities that are before us. And so a time to seek God's guidance while denying self through fasting is is a way that we can fast. And and I think a big one that I'm not sure I hear enough about is that it promotes fasting promotes spiritual strength. See, fasting strengthens our spiritual muscles, if you will. Fasting strengthens and increases our reliance on God's strength rather than our own. 
See, we're truly strong in the Lord when we have faith and confidence in God's strength. And fasting connects us with that. So those concepts are sort of the broad stroke. I want to begin to introduce eight insights about fasting that we want to start to unpack to answer the question, why do we fast? The first one is this. Fasting strengthens prayer. Why do we fast? Fasting strengthens prayer. So if you were to read Ezra chapter 8, verse 23, you would read these words. So we fasted and implored our God for this. And he listened to our entreaty. This is interesting that fasting strengthens our prayer. Now, to understand that, numerous incidents in the Old Testament connect fasting to prayer. Especially, I'll use the word intercessory prayer. It connects fasting to prayer in that way. Now, I talked about this, that fasting strengthens prayer. But I want you to hear this description. This would be the almost disclaimer, if you will. Fasting does not change whether God hears our prayers. Fasting doesn't change whether or not God hears our prayers. But fasting changes our praying. See, when we begin to fast and pray, we we look at our reliance on God because we're denying ourselves. We're connecting to God. We're, it's it's a big concept. It's not just one event. We don't fast to get something we want. See, fasting is not a hunger strike <laughs> to get what we want. Fasting is a connection with with God that strengthens our prayer, and it's strong because it heightens our reliance and trust in God. I like to say it like this: Fasting strengthens prayer. Because fasting brings an urgency to our praying. So if you have a great need in your life that God requires God's intervention, you can fast and pray because fasting strengthens your prayer. It raises the urgency of prayer and connects you to God. So fasting strengthens prayer. Why why do we fast? Number two, fasting includes Seeking God's guidance. So we've mentioned this thought a little bit, introduced it. But I want to look all the way back to the book of Judges when I talk about how fasting includes seeking God's guidance. So Judges chapter 20, verse 26. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. See, as as with prayer, fasting to seek God's guidance isn't done to change God, but it's done to make us more receptive to God's guidance. See, we don't fast as a motive to talk God into something but we would fast as a self-denial so we can more clearly understand God's guidance. It actually attunes us to God's plan. So it's not a hunger strike to get what we want. It's not a, a way to, to not eat so we could talk God into something. But fasting is a way for us to seek God's guidance because we lay down our own will. We lay down our own desire, and we become more receptive 
to God's guidance. And that's one of the things that happens when we fast. So why do we fast so we're more receptive to God's guidance? So why do we fast? Fasting strengthens prayer. Fasting includes seeking God's guidance. Number three, fasting expresses grief. Now, this was a new concept to me at one point in my life where I learned this concept several years ago, but I was never really taught this growing up. I don't know, maybe maybe you were, uh, but fasting expresses grief. First Samuel, Samuel chapter 31, verse 13. They took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. See, expressing grief is one of the primary reasons in the Bible for fasting. I'll look at it like this from a human perspective. Have you ever noticed that when you're moved to grief, when when you're crying, you're you're moved to heavy grief, that you almost lose an urge to eat? See, when we grieve, our family, our friends often have to, to come to us and say, you know what, why don't you eat something? Some people even get depressed and, and they, they, they don't eat and they have to bring, there's a connection here somewhere. But there's also a deliberate connection in our grief where we would apply fasting. A prime example is in Second Samuel chapter 1, verse 12. This is an example of David. It says this, And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord in the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. They, they had been killed. So this idea of fasting and praying was a way to express grief. I can think of those in my life, from my own father to relatives in my life, to close friends that have lost their life. And, and when I think about processing that, this idea to fast— is a way that we can make this less about us and more about understanding God's comfort. What I like about this is is this point is not just to receive comfort, but to express our grief. In that time of fasting and sacrifice and self-denial, when we can begin to express the emotions that has gripped our lives, then we can understand that fasting is a way that we can be in alignment with God and His presence and His will. Listen, there's several more to talk about. I've hit three today, so we'll learn more in the second episode of this mini-series called Let's Talk About Fasting. But today you might say, this has been a great conversation. I'd love to learn a little bit more, maybe even engage with a discipleship coach. If you visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, you can learn all about what we do. You can also click and take our free coaching readiness questionnaire to measure your readiness for coaching. We would love to support you in your life, in your business, and in your spiritual life through discipleship coaching. Just visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Follow the show and our podcast. I want to say thank you for listening today. Today's show has been brought to you by our sponsor, Professional Coach University. Maximize your potential at Professional Coach University, where you can become a certified coach or invest in yourself through personal development opportunities. Just visit Professional Coach University to learn more, join the email list, and sign up for their coaching opportunities. Hey, it's been my pleasure to introduce this idea of fasting as we have talked about fasting today. I want to tell you that I am for you. And 
God is for you. And if God is for you, who could be against you? As always, thank you for listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And you've been listening today on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. We hope you feel encouraged to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Be sure to follow Michael and Your Discipleship Coach on social media. You'll find the links at yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. And while you're there, you can click the Give Now button to support this show and to provide scholarships to pastors and Christian leaders to receive coaching. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. That's yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.